Hello and welcome to another episode of the Dumb and Dumbest Podcast. I'm Matt Bacon here with my beautiful co-host, Keith of Ghost Cult Mag. What's up? And today we have an amazing guest in Josh Walker at AMG CEO on Instagram. What's going on? What's going on? Thanks for having me, Matt. Hey, sorry. I just I just had a cat related incident. These cats be wilding. Anyway, how are you, Josh? Oh, I'm having a really good day. I have I'm having a good day. Um, I had a little mix up earlier. I couldn't. I don't know why. I thought our um call today was at twelve. So it was like oh. 12, twelve, and I, that's why I had messaged you. I was like, "Oh, are we still good for today." And I was like, oh, no, it's 2 p.m. So it was my fault. But, yeah, other than that, it's been a really good day. Productive. So for those who don't have context on you and your really uh, excellent Instagram, uh, who are you and what do you do? Okay. So simply answering that would be uh, my name is Joshua Walker. Uh, I'm an artist consultant. Um, And I do a series of things. I have an artist, uh, artist consulting company where we sit down one-on-one with artists and um, speak about their goals. I just try to help artists get on the right track in their career. And then outside of that, I put out weekly videos every Thursday um, on just different types of tips that can help artists. So um, yeah, different things vary. And let me see the last video I put up was uh, like networking and uh, engaging your audience, anything that artists can get and use uh, for their career. And I try to make it as engaging and enjoyable as possible. But it's a quick uh, wrap up of that's what I do. And how long have you been at, how long have you been at it? I, the funny thing is I started a long time ago. I actually started about seven years ago. I started uh, music management. Um, but right now, I it's a, it's a long story. But for me, just coming back and getting really consistent with it right now, it's been six months since I've been back at it. Okay. And what yeah. inspired you to get back at it? Um, Depression. <laughs> Don't want to care to move. But yeah, depression, man. Like, um, so uh, I'll give you the short version of the whole story if, that's, uh, if we have enough time. Of course. Um, yeah, so I started out on artist management. I managed uh, a few hip-hop artists and singers, and we did a, a bunch of cool things uh, from there. From artist management, I got into throwing events, open mic, cur- open mics, curated uh, showcases, things like that. And from that point, I got into school. So I used to bring um, music artists into schools to speak to kids in underprivileged neighborhoods. Oh, wow, okay. It served as a what would you call it? Like um, a role model because a lot of kids coming from quote unquote the hood, they don't get that. So I wanted to just do something that was positive. And I did that for about five years. Oh, and wow. then one day I woke up and it, the passion, it just wasn't there anymore. It was gone. And it was like, yo, it turned into, all right, this is just a job for me rather than this is something I really, really enjoy. So from that point, sure. I hit a depression for about five, six months, um, maybe even longer than that. Um, but it was really bad for those months. And then I woke up one day, I was like, yo, let me just try to get back to my roots. And it was consulting. So I started, I set a goal for like, let me try to do 10 consults within like the next two or three months. And it turns out I did about like 15 my first month and I've just been going hard since then. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank Keith, you. I know you were looking pretty deep into some of Josh's stuff today. Yeah, man, Josh, great to meet you. Thanks for coming on. Uh, love your story. And I love that you are actually 
super frank about your your struggles and also your your wins. And I think that's a really good place to jump in, which is I think we all in the music marketing and management game, we're all kind of interrelated, right? But there's a lot of mental health stuff that gets overlooked and kind of like you're not supposed to have a bad day. You're not supposed mm-hmm. to take a day off. You're not supposed to have, you know, do something good for yourself. So I really, as a person myself, that I've been very open about my own struggles, as has Matt, I really love that you were just, that's on Front Street. You know what I'm saying with you? Yeah. That's really terrific, man. Thank you. Thank you. First, I want to say, what's up, Keith? Uh, I didn't even say what's up when we started. So um, pleasure meeting you too, bro. But um, thank you for that. Thank you. Real talk. And I think we need to just have these discussions because I think everybody goes through it and somebody needs to talk about it. Do you see that being a focus of what you do moving forward? Um, just bringing awareness to mental illness? Or? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I wouldn't say focus because I wouldn't want to take anything away from those people that actually focus on it. Like this mm-hmm. is their, their livelihoods. So I wouldn't say focus, but um, any time I have uh, to be able to bring it up, I, I definitely will. So like every time somebody asks me the story of what got you started, I'm I'm not going to sw- sway away from like, all right, sure. nah, it was depression. Like that's what got me going again. So yeah. That's super admirable. So, so now, okay. So now we're six months into this thing. Um, you know, you immediately, so, okay. So you start off and you immediately said you got like 15 consults. How were yeah. you picking up clients? So, um, what I did, I, I started with just doing it, doing it for free. Um, so I reached out to a few, uh, singers I knew, a few artists I knew, and I was like, Hey, this is what I want to do. I don't know if it's something that you'll be interested in, but Hey, I want to be able to sit down. Uh, let me analyze your career and just give you some tips. If you're down with it, let's do it. So the first few that I just really did like that, just reaching out to people. Um, and then they started coming more, the paid gigs started coming in after, you know, I would do these consults, I would sit down. Um, put it on my story and then uh, have people give me testimonials and throw it up and just say, hey, if you have anybody, any other friends that's looking for something, just let me know. So it just kind of started like that and it grew like naturally. And then outside of the consoles itself, I, I pride myself on always doing what you love and putting that out there, put positivity out there. If you want to sell something, it's not really about, all right, I'm sitting here selling consoles. I'm not doing that. What I want to do is just put out information, valuable information that you can use. And if you see that, all right, Josh, you give a a lot of valuable information, I want to talk further with you now. All right, let's let's go further. Let's sit sit down. But yeah, that's how it started out. That's really cool. Uh, Keith, I know you were going to ask something. I was. Josh, man, another thing that I really dig is, I'm sure this is probably how Matt who discovers most of our guests this way that he doesn't know personally is through mm-hmm. social media. And yeah. you have a terrific vibe and approach to social media. Anybody that rocks the stories the way you do, I'm a big fan of. And <laughs> yeah, man. And I, and I like the consistency. What is your, and I'm talking specifically about Instagram, but I did check out a couple of your other things. Uh, what do you like, what's your personal approach to social media as it pertains to your brand and your business? Uh, that's that's a that's a great question. Like, I think the funniest thing is that I I'm not a big fan of social media, and you uh, you wouldn't be able to tell that from my social media because I feel like it's just this space where 
it like a lot of people look at it as this is reality and i don't like that aspect of it but outside of that um what i try to do is just have fun with it so i get on there and i'm all about just having fun um being as genuine as possible because i feel like any like pe- regular people can see through like bs and people that are just trying trying too hard so i try to be as genuine as possible i try to have fun i try to just throw up as much content as i'm thinking about and with the consistency thing it's like a lot of stuff content especially the tips and advice that i put up on my stories they're just thoughts that come to me it's like yo i could use this myself so how about i put it out there maybe somebody else can can relate to it and now they can benefit from just a random thought that came to mind um as for how I met Matt, I think um, I shouted him out. I forgot. I don't even know how exactly we met, but um, I know what sparked this, um, us, me being on your show, is just I shouted him out because he commented on one of my videos. And I, I'm really big on just appreciating any type of support that you get. So Absolutely. it was like, you have to. You have to just shout people out. You need to just give credit where credit's due. Because, 100%. 100%. Yeah, and that's how I met Matt. And I was like, yo, Matt, thank you for watching my video. I think he just commented. I was like, I appreciate it, brother. And then he shot me back a, a video. It was like, oh, man, like, I appreciate you for even taking the time out to shout me out. And I was like, yeah. And it's like vibes. It's like you go off of people vibes and just have fun with it. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and, and the thing is, like, I see that happen at, like, our level, and then I see it happen at very high levels. And it's just, mm-hmm. like, what it needs to be. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. The one that always really struck me was uh, Jessica Pimentel from Orange is the New Black once introduced me to someone and said, oh yeah, this is Matt. We work together at this radio thing. And I was like, wait a second. <laughs> You're like famous. I'm some asshole. That's way too nice of you. But like, if she's going to do it, we need to do it. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's nice of her. And it's see, and that's the thing is like, I don't think that was like for her thinking. That wasn't like some strategic. Move. Exactly. She's just her, being cool. Her, yeah, just being a dope individual, man. If you be dope, then other people would shout you out. Yeah, that's it. So, what were you like as a kid? As a kid. Yeah. That's a dope question. I never heard that before. <laughs> I stole it from Gary V. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Gary V. Um. What was I like as a kid? Um, as a kid, I was a, a nerd, man. Like, from elementary school, I know I really just, I was straight A student all through elementary. Junior high school, I used to get, I used to be more, a little bit more talkative. Um, then high school came around, it was more like, um, I definitely wouldn't classify myself as the cool kids at all. I was just like an average kid hung out with a small circle um and i just i don't hmm, that's a great question uh i know i still had the same personality i have right now like outgoing um just pushing positive vibes uh talkative to an extent um wait i was more uh shy when i was a kid but um yeah i don't even know if i'm answering the question right but <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I think those would be a few things that can describe me as a kid. Because, like, what kind of stuff were you into? Oh, good. That, um, I was definitely into football and sports. So I played uh, football in high school for, like, two days. 
but outside of high school itself, <laughs> I like to play football and basketball and um, even volleyball, hockey, any sport that was in gym class, that, that was fun. Um, can I say Yu-Gi-Oh! and Pokemon? Yeah, I was... Yeah, I mean, fuck it, yeah. I was into that. Yeah, I was into Yu-Gi-Oh! and Pokemon. Like, not crazy, crazy, but I enjoyed a good duel from time to time. <laughs> uh, what else? What else? Uh, video games. I was a big video game head. Video game, Call of Duty, Grand Theft Auto, GTA. Um, yeah, video games. Did, did you feel any of this ended up informing? Like, how did you get into music then? So it's funny because music was never like I, I tell people all the time. Like, I can't sing, I can't dance, I don't play instruments. I'm not like that type of creative person. But um, I did. That's one thing I didn't even bring up. Like, I did listen to music a lot. And I always felt like music was like um, music was the one thing that can change your whole energy and vibe. Like if you were sad, you can listen to certain music to make you even sadder or certain music to make you sure. happy. And like music, I guess, I, yeah, that's one thing. I always had my headphones on, always was like downloading music back when you download uh, back then. But it's like, yeah, I would love to just put music on and just vibe out. So were you involved in music piracy? Oh, uh, yeah, I would say, yeah. yeah. What the heck, dude? <laughs> oh, I, I was deep in it. I, I'm not even, I don't even hide it anymore. <laughs> yeah, I would say 100%. At least a couple hundred songs. I had my iPod was... was yeah. Just, yeah. How did, 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 did that end up informing your strategies uh, for, like, music stuff later on? Uh, the fact that I used to download music? You know, the fact that, like, like, for me, the piracy thing, like, has impacted just how I viewed the music industry as a whole. Just because, mm -hmm. like, that's how I came into music. And I was curious if you had something similar. Uh, no, I wouldn't say, nah, I wouldn't say it was, like, a, a big factor. Okay. Yeah, I, I never thought about it as a big factor like that. Mm -mm. Just for oh. the record, in case the NSA is listening <laughs> or the FBI or any other, FCC... <laughs> Downloading is not illegal, despite the not the misnomer of illegal downloading. What is illegal is uploading copyrighted material to share widely to others. For the, record, for the record, and for the record, I genuinely believe you should be uploading. Um, really? <laughs> yeah, I, I, this is, that's not what this episode should be about. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, but Keith, well, I know you know. Well, go yeah, ahead. I was going to jump in off of, you know, while we're on this amazing tangent, I'm going to continue the tangent and say, Joshua, um, mm -hmm. since you work with independent artists, do you have a personal stance? kind of funny that we, uh, in, in the rock and metal world, uh -huh. we always go back to like, there was a big battle between the major artists and labels and piracy, right? LimeWire, BearShare, yeah. Pirate Bay, things like that, even in the last few years. And it seems like the industry guys were all right, correct. You know, um, it's kind of funny. Now, the guys who used to run the Pirate Bay are now the CEO and the CFO of Spotify in Sweden. Yes. And so I, I wanted to get your take on that because you do work with independent artists who definitely would hurt if people was, you know, on one hand, I know we're kind of in a mixtape culture again, which I love because that's my background as a, as a kid, as a rock fan. That's how I got to learn about new music was sharing mixtapes around the world yeah. by pen pals. But like for you, you work with really independent artists as a, you consult them and they would get hurt. It, like on one hand, there's the SoundCloud kind of culture where like, yo, share this SoundCloud link. 
But on the other hand, does that hurt sales? So I wanted to kind of get your opinion. Since we're talking about it, let's get your opinion. Yeah, nah, I think that's I think that's um a great tangent to to continue with. Um, so I I think it's just it's part of the culture. I think it's part of the culture. And as a music artist, what I would tell the music artist if I was like doing this back back in that time, it's like uh, you you just have to deal with it. That's how people get their music, and um, you have to figure out a way to maneuver around that. You see what I'm saying? Like we have streaming, we have, uh, I know a big thing is just doing shows and that's how a lot of artists, they make a uh, majority of their income is straight do, doing shows. So it's like, you have, you can't sit there. I would never tell artists to sit there and just be upset about the culture just being the culture. This is how people get their music. A lot of people don't have a dollar to spend back in iTunes day, uh, a dollar to spend per song if you want to get like 300 songs from your favorite artists. And um, you had to find a way to maneuver around that. And um, yeah, that I think that would be my biggest thing on it. It's just finding different things. Just don't cry over spilled milk and just keep pushing. That's a really good take. Yeah. Because so, he, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I'm just going to end that off. It's like you, you can't change it. You can't change that. You can't change how the industry moves and how the consumers work. And I think your job is to put out that content. Obviously, if you connect with your audience on a level where they really trust you and appreciate you, you can say, hey, please, like, you can explain to your audience, this is hurting my, my bottom line. And if you download my music like this without, like, uh, buying a CD or whatever, that hurts me. And I'm not going to be able to put out more content that you can consume as a local artist. And I feel like if you really have a strong fan base, now you're going to see your fan base actually step up and and purchase your music. I just, uh, for example, like um, I have a favorite, uh, what do you call it? A YouTube, um, YouTube Travelers. Their name is Kara and Nate. So their journey was pretty much to do 100, go visit 100 countries, right? And they got to their 99th country last month. And for their 100 countries, their hundredth country, they put out an hour-long documentary and they just ask people to pay what you please, pretty much. You could pay as little as a dollar, you could pay a hundred dollars and you get the download link and you can do whatever with it. And it's like all her, all their biggest fans, they supported it. A lot of people got mad and because they felt like they was entitled to them having to put out free content for, for them. But it's like, I, on the other hand, a lot of people support it. So I feel like the artists can look at it in the same exact way. Your real fans are going to support those that don't, um, that download the music illegally. It's like, hey, it is what it is. Just keep moving. That's awesome. I look at, I look at, I'm a huge fan of YouTube. My uh, website has a big YouTube presence, mm -hmm. uh, trying to grow my YouTube presence. But I look at successful YouTubers not related to music to yeah. get like ideas and sort of take look at their approaches to see how they succeeded because I think to grow, especially a music related channel in this day and age, whether it's YouTube or other socials, you definitely have to think outside the box for ideas and mm -hmm. uh, strategies. So that's great. I love you mentioning that. Thank you. Yeah. And I love and I love travel YouTubers. I'm also a big. I like to travel and I like looking at travel. You like travel channels when I'm not my my brain is switched off from music. And yeah. I'm just looking at like, man, I want to go to Cancun and not and not get scammed. Yeah, so I want to go too. 
ch- definitely check out uh, Kara and Nate. Kara and Nate, amazing. Like, I would recommend them a thousand percent. And you can find them in the show notes. Right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, all this to say, okay, so, so, yeah, so when you're consulting artists, where do you see them missing, what revenue streams do you see them missing out on? What revenue? So, I think uh, that, that question is, like, it varies per artist. Okay. Um, but let me, let me think for a second to see what would be the top thing. Uh, I wouldn't be streaming. I think, uh, I think it would probably fall into the category of just performing. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of artists that I speak to are at a stage where, you know, you, you do the open mic stage, you do the, the small, um, curated shows, and then you're at a stage where it's like, all right, now I had to actually put uh, a price on what I do and take it to the next level. So I know a lot of artists, their fan base would be like the 21 to 25-year-olds. So I always tell them, hey, take advantage of NACA and knock out some colleges because that, that's a good revenue source right there. Sure. And making sure you have a press kit, making sure you have a website. Uh, my girlfriend, she actually, she's a graphic designer. Thank Brandon Coach, shout out to her. Um, but she always tell people like, yo, make sure you just check her out because she can give you the stuff that you need so you can come off as a thing. You take yourself serious as an artist and now people can can book you more because of the things that you have. So I would think, I would say it would be uh, shows and performing. So one thing that, so I put out a video uh, today actually talking about not wanting to overplay in your home market. Mm-hmm. What's your advice to local bands looking to play both at home and in their region? Like how should they start booking? What should their strategy be in terms of frequency? Talk to me. Okay, so to not only book at home, but stepping out of your, your hometown? Yeah. And how often should you be playing at home? <sighs> so I hate, uh, yeah, I hate just giving advice if I don't know the full picture, but sure. I will still answer the question. Um, cause I think everything is, again, it depends on who you are, uh, where your fan base is, is at right now, what's your draw. Uh, so after asking all those questions, let's say, let's take an artist, you can offer just your name. You can draw at least 150, 300 people to the show. Um, at that point, I think you should, if you haven't already stepped out of your hometown, you, I always go with, the. Uh, like this, make a small circle around wherever you live. I live in um, Long Island, New York. Yeah. So obviously if you're coming from Long Island, bang, knock out all the shows in Long Island. Then you spread that circle out a little bit more. And now you're hitting Brooklyn, Queens, um, all the boroughs. And then you spread that circle out a little bit more. And then you hit Connecticut, Philly, um, things that's close, but not too far. So um, how often they sh- should they be performing at home? I would say probably at least two to three times just to make sure you're still building with that, that close fan base, that local fan base. But um, outside of that, you, you want to try to at least get maybe, maybe at least one or two gigs um, per week that's outside of your, your local area. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what I would give off the top. I like that idea of using circles. I talk about um, how you should have like twelve core markets. Yeah. Um, 
So I think, and I think that's really important because we're Brooklyn guys, so we get it. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you how do you see artists building up their local draw? Uh, just networking, networking, going to these events, going to these events, meeting people, um, and not even not only if you you're going there to perform because performing at these events is one thing, but you just want to be in the the area that be in the circles um yeah one thing i try to crucial all the time is know the circle that you're in but you cannot stay in that circle i i try to drill that into people's head you cannot grow within just one circle there are so many circles let's take a um from heavy metal to to r&b to just pop like there's so many small even hip hop is like it's so many small circles but they're multiple and your job is to find them. Your job is to expand. Your job is to always be acting around and not just do all the shows that's in that circle, but also other people's shows. And that's how you just expand your network and that's how you build your local reach. Accessing adjacent markets, basically. Yeah, 100%. There you go. Uh, Keith, I think you had something to say about this, right? I'd, um, well, this particular thing for sure, I think, um, you know, I think maybe one of the things that I think in the blind spot for most artists is the big picture. The fish, the fish bowl is easy, right? What's around you? What's your surroundings? What's the three month plan? But I think it's it's valuable to have somebody like a Matt or a Joshua help you see the twelve month plan. And I think I see, I see the opposite. I see people very myopic with tunnel vision and not able to see the distance game, the long game, right? And so, how do you? Up when you have clients that don't see the long game, how do you get them to see and accept the long range planning? The long range. So how I, how I like to see it is one year. I always tell people to focus on twelve months. I think that's a a solid, like like you were saying. Um, that's a solid. It's close enough that you can envision it. And you have room to change things along the way, but it's not like long enough for you have to, all right, where am I going to be at in five years? That could be a hard question to answer for a lot of artists. You could have a general sense, but if you say specific things for five years down the line, you never know what, what changes. And I like to always give personal examples. Like um, my foundation when I started back was consulting. And my goal for the 12 months was to do 100 consults within 12 months. And as I continue to do it more and more, um, and as I continue to do other things um, in my field, which was um, putting out the weekly videos, the weekly videos is not that I just hopped up, oh, I don't want to do consoles no more. Let me just focus on something else. But I really enjoy doing the the videos. I really enjoy the amount of people that it can reach. I really love being able to give that advice that stays in the world forever. Like literally you can three months down the line, next year, 12 months, you can still look back on advice that I gave two months ago and it'd be, it'd still be solid. And if not, then I can do it again. So it's like knowing your focus, but also leaving a room to, for change. And um, I would tell artists to always focus on the 12 months and have five solidified goals. Five goals that you can name off the back of your hand and you just know it. These are the goals that you're, that you're building towards. And if it doesn't fall, always check yourself every single day. If it doesn't fall into those 
five uh, fields, then you shouldn't be doing it. And you have, awesome. to, you have control and stay focused. That's it. That's awesome. That's like, there's a Warren Buffett thing where he's like, make a list of your 25 goals. Now cross off all but the five most important. Those are the only things you should care about. Yeah. That's crazy. I need it. I think that's, yeah. What were you saying, Keith? Oh, nice. That's amazing. Okay. I I would totally fail at that because I have like a list of a thousand (laughs) goals. and I I doubt I could get it down to like a hundred, just like my end of year top albums of the year list is impossible. Same kind of thing. You can do it, Keith. I know, well, thank you for believing in me. What was your album of the year last year, Josh? Album of the year? I know that's like out of left field, but I'm curious. Yeah. Um, you know what's funny? I like I really love an artist. Uh her name is Chelsea Cutler. She um she kinda does I wouldn't even know what type of music to to put it category wise. And but she's not a mainstream artist and she's like just coming up doing um like Coachella, like small show like bigger scale shows for her but she's not mainstream but um yeah she had a uh album called i think it's sleeping with roses sleeping with roses too and i that's one album i could literally play again and again and again and love every single every single second of it so that would be my personal album of the year Ooh, okay well, we'll check that out though that will also be in the show notes um <laughs> now okay so now, you personally are not a fan of social media. Where do you see it fitting for your artists? I'm not a fan, but it's important. So it's like, even though I'm not a fan of it, you, I still understand the importance of it, and I use it as such. Um, and for artists, I would tell them, hey, you, ha- you have to use social media. I was just telling this to an artist the other day. Like he said, oh, I don't have social media. I don't have Facebook. I like to do things old school. And I'm like, that's... That's cool, but it's just like the 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 time that we live in. It's like the things you do on social media helps get you more opportunities in the real world. And the things that you do in the real world and the people that you connect with, when they go back to your social media page, they have to be able to see something that shows that all right, I want to keep up with their journey because um a lot of times, and I tell a lot of artists this, like people are more interested in just following people as personalities, right? Yeah. And the music is starting to become like, all right, yeah, they got good songs, but this person's really cool. So it's like you have to be able to build up both of them, whether you like it or not. Absolutely. I think that's been one of the most fascinating things about like those daily vloggers who just talk about their lives is like, yeah. we're just into watching other people. <laughs> that's it. And isn't it weird? It's the weirdest thing ever. And yeah, this is what we do. This is what we all spend our time doing. <laughs> it's fun. I saw a meme the other day, and it was like, um, in like 1980, <clears throat> if a time traveler came back and told you that in 2020, we would have a, a piece of metal in our pocket that can, that can look up, that has all the answers to everything, every question known to man, and we use it to, and we use it daily just to look at cat videos online. Is 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 mind blowing, but that's that's the society we live in. And yeah, and I kind of I kind of love it for that. I like looking at cat videos online. Yeah, <laughs> a good cat video here and there too. Um, but the point being, as we kind of run out of time, let's do sort of lightning round. What do you view as the key lessons that you impart to artists? Key lessons: focus, focus, okay. have a focus, stick to it. <laughs> 
And how long do you think, how long should you be grinding at it before you can even hope to break? Uh, to break, uh, for this question, I would say know and understand what your end goals are because some people, um, they look at the music industry as, all right, you have to be on a, a Beyonce scale to be successful. Yeah. It's whatever your personal goals are. So I wouldn't even look at it as like, all right, you, you're working to break, you're working just to be happy. As long as you're happy in your career and you're where you set that goal to be, then you're good to go. Absolutely. Very well said. Um, any other uh, words of wisdom to impart upon us? Words of wisdom. Uh, words of wisdom for Keith. Get those, those five goals to solidify, bro. <laughs> Get those five goals solidified. And um, I have a, 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 I call it my make it happen planner. I, I'll send that to you too. It like breaks it down, breaks down how you just idea flush, get all your ideas out on paper and how you choose the specific five you want to work on. Then you figure out your why and your how. I can send that over to you. But yeah, make sure you have your goals lined up and just keep working. Make sure you're happy. That's it. Well said. Keith, do you have any final questions? Uh, no final questions, but I'm going to give a shout out. What's a real game changer at Joshua's website is the artist evaluation tool. And I just want to say our other co-host who is not on the call with us, Curtis, frequently complains to me about how he doesn't have a process to not only figure out who he should work with, but that also helps artists. And dude, I'm going to point him to look at your tool because I went through it a little bit and I was like, man, this is not only helpful to potential clients, it's super helpful to you to weed out the wheat from the chafe, you know? True. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Nice work on that, brother. I appreciate it, brother. This has been Dumb and Dumbest. You have been listening. Thank you, Joshua Walker, for coming on the pod. Thank you guys for having me. Make it happen, people. Are we done? Everything is terrible.